You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Kitty Show. This week, I'm delighted to have Kim West, who is known as the sleep lady on the show. She is the author of several books, and she's going to tell us about those. And she basically helps children sleep better. So I'm super excited about this topic. I'm really excited to have you here, Kim. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So maybe you be here too. Can you give our listeners just a little bit of a background on yourself? How did you become sleep lady? was actually a three-year-old that named me. And I was like, I like that. (laughs) So I am a clinical social worker for 29 years. So I was doing individual and family therapy and then got pregnant with my first daughter. And my brother had, both of his kids were six months younger than mine. And his son, their first son did not sleep through the night literally for two years. And I remember they came down to visit and they were falling apart. They're still together, happily married, but they were like, we're never having any more children. You know, Denise was like, I'm going to have to quit my job. Like we cannot function. And I thought, really? This is like a thing. I mean, I feel like we just assume our babies are just going to eat, poop, sleep. Like, why is this an issue? (laughs) Or at least when I had my daughter, nobody knew any of that. And I thought, wow, that's scary. And so I ended up having my first daughter and you know, it's actually not super exciting story. I wasn't like she was a nightmare and that's how I ended up developing it. It was more that I got really bad advice um, about feeding her and basically raising her. And I just decided, you know, I think I'm not going to take that advice after a few nights of failure and tears for everyone, mostly me. Um, and, and that, were you uh, trying the cry it out method? Is that what you were trying? Well, at that point I was even having problems breastfeeding oh, okay. and I had sort of decided that after this whole fiasco that I was going to listen to my intuition, really get to know my baby, put her on the infamous word schedule continue to breastfeed her and see what happened. And back then that was super unpopular to do. And even now I think schedule has a lot of rigidity attached to it, Mm -hmm. but I would say mine was more cue-based, my baby's cues that helped me kind of create a rhythm. And so then when I felt like she was old enough to do, you know, shape her sleep or do the infamous sleep training. The only thing they had back then was Ferber mm-hmm. and, you know, that's graduated extinction, behavioral science and other parts of the world, they call it controlled crying, which I always think is so funny because you're not really controlling the crying. No. You're controlling 
yourself, the parent. And I thought, you know, because I know about how the a secure attachment is so essential, I, I thought, well, maybe there's something else. <laughs> you know, it didn't fundamentally make sense to me that my child was going to learn a self-soothing skill by me letting her cry it out. And by the way, no judgment against anyone who has used graduate extinction with their child and it's worked successfully. What my goal was is that if you feel like that's not the right match for your baby's temperament, and I'd like to add your temperament, and therefore you're not going to be able to follow through with it consistently, then we should have options as parents of which there weren't any. It was either a full-on extinction, don't go in the room at all, or it was go in and check on them. And so then I just ended up honestly experimenting with like a gentler approach where you stay and do less and less and slowly move away as they incorporate the skill. Luckily, I'd like to say my oldest daughter has turned out lovely. So that worked well. <laughs> didn't seem to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. You know, so then of course I helped all my friends and I was experimenting still, right? You know, but helping a lot of friends and I get pregnant with my second one. I'm not charging anyone because I don't think I feel like I'm an expert at this point. And then I get, I have my younger one. She was born early, unfortunately, really horrible silent reflux, got her health under control, got her old enough. And she's one of these super alert temperament babies. She's made me be a better parent always still to this day. And once I got her sleeping through the night, I was like, maybe I'm on to something <laughs> Yeah, still. And then I started to get more and more phone calls. Now, no longer did I know how they found me. Uh-huh. And that's when I said, you know what? And, and at this point I felt like, oh, I'm seeing patterns. Like I'm fine tuning my method. And yeah. that's when I added it to my practice. And, so cool. and it kind of blew up from there. Yeah. I, I think, frankly, the reason why it blew up is two reasons. One is because I loved what I do. And you transform a family's life when you get their children and then themselves, you know, sleeping sleeping through the night so that, yeah, so that they can like enjoy parenting and with a method that they felt like, you know, was more aligned with their, with their heart really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful that you do the work that you do because it's so needed. Right. So can you talk to us about the, the method? Mm-hmm. So they call it. So my trademark is the sleep lady that, like I said, the little, cause what I do by the way, or what I used to do is do an initial consult with a the family. They fill out this big history form. And then we together create a plan, a sleep plan. We pick a start date. And then I would call them the next morning. And I would over the course of two to three weeks, call them eight times. Usually that was like the average and really hold their hand and coach them and strategize with them through the entire process, which of course is what made them successful, Mm -hmm. right? They had that support because we're not thinking calmly in the middle of the night or objectively. And so they, not that I was with them in the middle of the night, but lots of them said, I would hear your voice in the middle of the night talking to me about what to do. So basically the method is, so, so again, just to put it in, in columns, three columns. So extinction, graduate extinction, and my method comes under parental fading. 
And by the way, people, there's really only three sleep training methods. I know people like to say there's like 15 or 30. There aren't, you know, there are ways to tweak, for instance, for rising, but in general. So all of us will stay after a soothing bedtime routine at an age appropriate time, you put your baby into their crib or their child into the bed, awake and aware that they're being put down. And then after this moment is when it changes, right? Depending on which method you're going with. So you're either going to leave the room and not go in at all, all night long. And that's extinction. Or with, if you did more fervor graduated extinction, you'd go in at time checks, like maybe five minutes and then 10 minutes and then 15 minutes, right? With the idea that I'm going to give the baby a little bit more time to learn how to self-soothe, I say in quotes. And there are a lot of variations, like can you pick up? Can you touch? Should you talk? How long should you stretch the minutes out for over how many days? And parents will say to me, Kim, just, we're going to do that method. And we want to know what the magic number is. Just tell us what the, and that's what we'll do. Is it seven minutes? Is it 10 minutes? You know, I always say there's no magic. There's no magic. Um, The numbers are to control you from going in. So pick what you feel like you can follow through with. And then I even say, and by the way, if you decide to start off with this and you say, oh my gosh, my child is crying so much that this, I can't take it. I'm starting to get how we get all that parenting guilt. Like maybe they're going to, I'm going to emotionally damage them. They're going to think I abandoned them. They're going to become a criminal. So then I'd rather you go in and do my method, which is the sleep lady shuffle. The publisher named it that. So the idea is, is that after you put the baby into the crib, after a soothing routine, you stay by their side and you offer them physical and verbal reassurance. So pat, shush, you know, figure out what it is your baby likes. And by the way, some babies don't like to be touched or don't like to be shushed. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's what our job is as parents is let me see what is soothing and comforting to my child so that they can calm themselves down eventually. And so you, you're doing all this and you can imagine how much parents learn about their babies in this process. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're, they're like, wow, I totally, I see now what he does. Like he likes to lift, lift his legs up and plop them down or rub the sheet or pull their ear or all the little things that that they'll eventually do then every night to go to sleep. So the idea is, is you stay by the crib for three nights and you offer less and less, right? As you're observing and watching your baby. And then they're starting to learn the skill with your presence and your reassurance. And I am a believer in pickup to come. There are a lot of babies who just get you know, to a point where they're crying so hard, they don't even know why they're crying anymore Mm -hmm. and in a completely dysregulated state. Yeah. And they really need our help. I mean, I always remind parents, like there's plenty of adults who aren't great at self-regulating their emotional states. So can you imagine a little baby really isn't. And so then you move out every three nights, depending on the room, either halfway across the room, by the door, in the hallway, you can go back and do what I call like a parental check and you can always go back, go back and pick up to come. But usually as you're moving away, they're integrating the skill and they don't Mm -hmm. need it as much. Mm. I think it's really, I mean, there's sort of a couple of 
you know, I don't believe like you must do sleep training my way. I really do believe it has to be the right match for the, for the child and the family. But there are a couple of groups I think that I'm biased about, and that is children who are adopted and mm-hmm. not at birth. Huh. who might, you really have to focus on attachment first. Yeah. And I really don't think you should probably maybe do any sleep training yeah. um, until attachment ha- has, occurred. has occurred and, and also anything else ruled out sensory processing and the other things that are going to interfere with the, the ability to go to sleep independently. And then newborns, not a big supporter of sleep training newborns. There's really almost no research that no. supports that it works and that they're Rain is ready for it because they don't even know how to like put their hand in their yeah. mouth. They don't even know how to put themselves into a calm state. That's what we're supposed to teach them in the beginning, right? So newborns, children who are adopted and not at birth, and some children with special needs. Well, actually, all children with special special needs, I think, need a gentler approach. And then the other one that's always a little surprising is children in beds, because oh. what I find happens, yeah, when parents have kids in beds, they can get sleeping, out of bed. Usually, yeah, is that what's happening? Getting out of bed, yeah. they get out of bed, and but you can imagine this is that you know when they can get out of bed, what ends up happening is, and I know the common thing is do the silent return, right? They come out, you walk them back, you leave, they come out, you walk them back, you get to the point where like you haven't even left the room and they're right behind you. Right. And after a while, us parents, we start to lose our patience. And then sometimes we start yelling and sometimes we start threatening. And then we usually end up doing things like closing the door, holding it closed, locking it, which then increases all the anxiety for the child and And for the parent. Everybody ends up crying. Yeah. It's not great. Not good. Yeah. Everyone is completely stressed out. And then the parent feels guilty. And so I, this is like, my sweet spot. I loved working with the, these kids. First of all, I love the things they say. They crack me up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, most kids who are in beds two and a half, three and up, and they're not sleeping or they're needing the parent to sleep with them, both to go to sleep and back to sleep. And there's family stress because there almost always is, unless the family has decided to have the family bed and all bed share and they're all happy. Right. But those people weren't calling me yeah, and they no. still wouldn't call me now. Yeah. But the rest of the parents, those kids are fully aware that going to sleep is stressful mm. and that mommy and daddy or all the parents are upset, but they literally don't know what to do about it because mm-hmm. they've only been taught what we've taught them. Yeah. Right. And it's yeah. really kind of the same for our babies. Right. Like it's not their fault that we taught them that the way to go to sleep is I nurse you to sleep or I hold you to sleep or, or whatever it is. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about how this is, this is how awesome. Work shuffle work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is great. I'm just thinking so many, I'm like, oh, I have so many patients that can benefit from this because when you're in, in any stage, you've talked about infancy, you've talked about toddlers, you know, kids that are maybe like my daughters are five and eight look like they're good sleepers and have been, but it's interesting. My my older daughter, we did the fervor method and it was like one night of crying. And then she figured it out and she's been a phenomenal sleeper since she was six months old. Second Amazing. kid, that did yeah. not work at all. And I wish I found it. I struggled and I was, I felt like, mm. so I just was like, how do I get this kid to sleep? 
And she, I, and I look back at it now and I'm like, she was, did not have a secure attachment to me. She still has some, she sleeps by now, but she still got some attachment stuff. So that makes me, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, if we set them, mm-hmm. you know, that's a really important way that you set up your relationship with your kids. Like the way that you're showing yeah. them how to self-soothe. Yeah. Well, and I also, I didn't really mean for this to happen, but because my second one is what I call an alert baby, I found that it ended up being that probably like 80% of my practice were these kinds of babies. And maybe huh. this is your five-year-old. Maybe. You know, that they have like, these are some of the commonalities. Now, have I done a control group study or no, I haven't because I've just been in the trenches, right? Yeah. But I've worked with over 20,000 families and that's a lot of trends. That's a lot of, yeah. And, yeah. and so things I see in these alert babies, as I call them, is they, they tend to, well, first of all, they're awake and aware, like bing, mm-hmm. early on. Like I've even had nurses be like, whoa, good luck. <laughs> or I remember when my younger one, you go to the grocery store and they're like, look around at everything. everything. Yeah. And they'd be like, how old is your baby? You know, like five months. You're like, no, eight weeks. Yeah. That was my, my, my second was born literally with eyes. Like her newborn picture. Exactly. was like, she knew newborn that picture. I'm like, no, she just had really, she was like wide eyed in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So the, their filters are open wider, I think, to the entire world, right? Yeah. And so much our job as parents to help kind of bring Close in some filters. So the other things I see about them is, I don't know if they're brilliant, but they definitely seem to be the sharper pencil in the box and very intuitive. Yeah. They can also reach physical milestones earlier. So when I see like a nine month old walking, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or if they've got that like hand to mouth my- action when they're like four months old or something, they're meeting those milestones earlier. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I especially see it with walking. Now that doesn't mean that I've also seen them where they could walk, but they choose not to. Oh, right. Because this kind of goes to this other part of their personality is they're like, they know when to dig their feet in. Like I know what I want, when I want it. And I'm willing to hold out until I get it. <laughs> you right? are describing my I mean, younger daughter to a T. Uh-huh. That is totally her. And by the way, that's pretty much the whole life. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, it's continued into her. Into her mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I will tell you, and, I, and I'll bring it back to sleep. A lot of parents who, when I tell the story, they're like, oh my God, that's my child. So please tell me, is she going to end up with ADD or ADHD? Yeah. And, and I'm sure that, there will be a percentage, whatever that is. Right. But I don't find that. I don't I find, I find that these children, because I've been lucky enough to sometimes the parents come back to me for their second or third child yeah. or my writer of my first book, her son was like that. I helped them and that's how we met oh, and now he's in college. And, and then I look at my own daughter. I always jokingly say, although I'm secretly hoping this is true, that these were the children that will save our world. Oh, you I know would, that I they are just, yeah. Yeah. And because we need that kind of connectiveness, that intuitiveness that, you know, these kids read rooms and people yeah. and that gave me goosebumps too. Yeah. And at the same time, it's also what makes it harder for them. Yeah. You know, because they're getting so much information and they're exactly, exactly like empaths, you know, Mm -hmm. and it makes it harder for them to go to sleep. 
and it's, sometimes it makes it harder for them to to shut their mind yeah. down. And so it's really important to protect their sleep. Yeah. Because these are kids that won't necessarily show sleepy signs because they're like, I'm so engaged in the world until they like melt down. Yeah. Like yeah. what happened? Retired? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. Right. Right. And so you really have to end up watching the clock and your child. And, you know, like as an example, when my younger one here, I thought the second child should be more adaptable. I'm sure you probably thought that too, right? Because they have to be yeah. dragged around with the older one and go to errands and whatever, gymnastics or whatever yeah. it is. And she would not sleep in strange places, whatever it was. And I even got to the point when she was two, where if I stayed out, let's say we went on a play date and I wasn't back and she wasn't in her crib asleep, she wouldn't by nap. two o'clock, there would be no nap. Mm. So they need, they need a and schedule. Then they, yeah. And you really have to, and it had to be in her room, mm-hmm. dark, like she's not going to be Miss Flexible Sleeper. Yeah. Uh, like her older one, yeah. you know? And I think that the sooner we as parents can like, I like to say, figure out who we got yeah. or who we've been given yes. and really honestly adjust yeah. accordingly Yeah, because you'll just have a happier family too. Well, this is such a nice way to like, look, I loved how you put there back when you had kids, there was like the one option. And it's like with all of medicine, there's not one diet that works for everyone. There's not one protocol that works for everyone that has symptoms X, Y, Z. You have to figure out what works best for you and what works best for your child and your family. So it's, it's great work. So if any of you guys are listening and you have a small one and you're kind of wondering like, where could people find you? Best place to go. Website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sleeplady.com. I also started training 11 years ago women and now some men to be gentle sleep coaches using my method. And they're all over the world. You can find a directory of them on my website at sleeplady.com. You can also check out my book, The Good Night Sleep Type, The Sleep Lady's Good Night Sleep Type in libraries, Amazon, bookstores. And then you're working on another book, right? Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm working on another book on newborns, zero to five month olds. Oh, I also have a workbook for kids with special needs. So that's also available on Amazon. So yeah, I'm really excited about my next book. Unfortunately, it's going to take, won't be out for another year, but January, 2023. That's awesome. So that'll just be yeah. for the newborn stages of like how to, mm-hmm. cool. And I also created a course, online course for that age group. And I currently also have an online course. Let's say, you know, I try to have resources and services for, you know, all the budgets. I've got thousands of articles on my blog and I have a private Facebook group. One of my coaches answers questions. You can join that, the Sleep Ladies Gentle Sleep Community. And I have a video course for kids in beds and in cribs. And then of course you can work with one of my coaches one-on-one. Yeah. So you guys all know, my listeners, you know, that I'm big on making sure you're getting help with whatever it is you're struggling with. If this is something that your family is struggling with, Kim has tons of options for you. So reach out, you know, help because if kids aren't sleeping or if this is causing a stressful pattern in your family or just for you, it'll affect everything. It'll affect hormones. It'll affect your well-being. And it sounds like there's some great options available to get everyone sleeping. Yes, I hope so. Yeah, Yeah, because there's no reason to suffer. And by the way, it's never too late. It's never too late. If you waited several years, it might just, yeah, it might take a little longer, but it's never too late. 
Yeah. So if you have a five-year-old that's waking up all the time, you can go and apply some of these mm-hmm. methods, which is awesome. That's really yeah. great. I yeah. know a few of my listeners have that, so check her out. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure, and I'll see Thank you guys on you next talk week. To Kenny. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.